welcome, welcome to our all new episode of Full Court Press. Just want to take a moment to shout out all our listeners and supporters for helping us continue to take off. Uh, the growth has been phenomenal. If we're back, like apparently we're back like we never left. Uh, appreciate the loyalty, appreciate the love, appreciate all the support from you guys, the listeners here. Today, we are going to have a lot of fun given recent events. And I'm joined here by the CEO himself of Full Court Press, Jabari, Brooklyn Bari. And I'm also joined here by my big bro, my mentor, um, the other half of the Osa and A podcast, Osahan. You see how I didn't decide to throw shots, right? All right. Just, I just want people to take note. Okay, thank you. Anyway, how are you two gentlemen doing today? I'm doing great. Um, I'm, as you can see, I'm flustered. We, we, as in Brooklyn Nets fans, just received some great news. So my day has been going great. I can't complain. And I'm doing all right. I, I appreciate the maturity on your end, Abe, uh, by not referencing. And maybe this is because of the NBA Top 75 conversation that came up that you now realize and appreciate greatness when it's in your presence. So, oh, oh, oh I'm oh, doing good. I'm doing great. You know, even though All-Star Weekend, I know I mentioned this weeks ago that I wasn't excited about All-Star Weekend. And that continued. There, I really had no excitement about All-Star Weekend, even the All-Star game itself. For, not for one, Wardell, Stephen Curry, the All-Star game man, was absolutely, well, we'll get to it later. Facts, facts, facts. But first, but first, we have breaking news for y'all. At the time of this recording, two things have happened in the NBA. One, my voice, you saw how, because this, this one is, this one is big. I'm kind of excited for, for Brooklyn Bari too. One, transaction that happened today, Goran Dragic, who was, okay, I'm not doing that voice no more. Goran Dragic, who was traded to San Antonio for Thaddeus Young and other pieces, was bought out by San Antonio and is now joining the Brooklyn Nets. Details of his contract are yet to be uh, confirmed, but we assume it's for the rest of the season and you know, most likely a, veter- a vet's mem. That's the first thing, which is big. Um, and we'll discuss some of the extracurriculars that were attached to that that we didn't discuss before. And two, DSJ, the once highly touted, highly celebrated draft pick who even LeBron has co-signed on, who even Knicks fans co-signed on because Frank, uh, well, Phil Jackson did what he did. He has been waived by the Portland Trailblazers in favor of rookie forward Trendon Watford, who is receiving a two non-guaranteed seasons on a new four-year deal that's worth $5.8 million. That being said, gentlemen, let's talk the Nets. And then let's talk the Trailblazers, or more so DSJ. Yeah, starting out with the Nets, this is a this is a good pickup for the Nets. I think it is ironic though. Right now, the the Nets are getting point guards that people, or at least former teammates of these point guards, have felt a type of way about, have held a certain level of uh, angst toward. Looking at some comments made by Fred Van Vliet, because if you remember, uh, Fred Van Vliet, I'm sorry, not Fred Van Vliet. Van Vliet, uh, Goran Dragic was traded 
from the Raptors to the Spurs in exchange for Thad Young. So when Van Vliet was asked about the trade, Fred Van Vliet said this, he said, great piece, great addition, especially when the other guy talking about Goran Dragic was sitting at home. So it wasn't like we're giving up much. That's the situation we're in. So it's a plus one in my book. We'll take that. If you remember as well, Brooklyn Nets just got one Ben Simmons in exchange for James Harden and some other pieces. The same thing was being said about Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons was literally sitting at home. So it, it's fair. It's a fair assessment. Drogic, we know what he brings to the table. If you remember, some some of our listeners, maybe you don't, you don't remember. You have to dig, go back in the time machine. Uh, when Goran Drogic had his coming out party, when he was a part of the Phoenix Suns, uh, that was the moment everyone said, oh, okay, you, you, we, we, this man has arrived. Drogic, is, we know what we're getting with him, right? He's crafty. He's a crafty lefty, um, has, has a, can, can uh, get to the hole, uh, can hit the open three when necessary, is a good veteran addition to this Nets team. I think it's a great move on that end. Bari, what you got to say about this as our resident Nets fan? Listen, with this Goran Dragic's uh, Goran Dragic addition, um, it, it, it plugs a hole in in some of the circumstances that we have to deal with right now as Nets fans or even the other players, because as we know. Still, the mandate hasn't been has not been lifted in New York, and Kyrie cannot play home games. Unfortunately, though, most of our games remaining are home games. So Kyrie's extremely limited to when he can play, and then when he does have an opportunity to play, the schedule has it so it might be one game in a week or two games in two weeks. Dragic kind of gives us a a guy that's reliable a guy that plays those positions as in the one and the two. Um, he can play off the ball. So when Ben Simmons comes back full time, he can play off of Ben Simmons also. He's not undersized. Um, you know, he's not exactly huge or anything like that, but he's 6'3 and uses his size well. He's always been a, a, a person that drives um, pretty well for, for a, a guard. And um, it's, it's probably going to be understated, but he played like, 180 games with Steve Nash in the beginning, the beginning of his career in Phoenix, um, you know, towards the later part of Nash's career being Nash's actual backup. So I think, well, I actually know Nash was pivotal, pivotal in getting Dragic. He was the lead recruiter with um, everyone pretty much on vacation. Nash took it upon himself to, to, to be the person that's in Dragic's air. And I know Dragic had a lot of suitors in this in this buyout because this year the buyout market is extremely weak. Um, every contender that I know of that you know are missing one or two players or have realized at this part in the season what they're missing have been looking towards Dragic to see if he can plug the hole that they're missing. And I don't know. I'm just really grateful that we've been able to get a person of his experience i don't expect too much from him i'm not going to be over dramatic about it he's 35 years old but if he can show up and 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 stay healthy plug in what we're what we're missing and provide veteran experience run the floor still then i definitely don't have anything to to complain about with that sign and also we cut javon carter 
and anyone that pays attention to Nets Twitter, Nets fans, Nets fan pages, anything to do with the Nets knows that the Brooklyn Nets fans are not a fan of Javon Carter. Like we don't really like Javon Carter, what he's brought to this team in, in very limited minutes. Um, they will always find something to complain about when it comes to that, to that guy. So to replace him with a veteran and Dragic is extremely um, important to a team that's still trying to make a playoff push and, and, and actually win something this year. It's extremely important. I want to throw a couple more things in here. It appears with this move, uh, number one, it's a full circle move for Dragic. When Dragic got drafted in 2008, he was drafted by the Spurs and his rights were traded to the Suns. And then once again, now he's repaired up with his former uh, Suns teammate and mentor at the time, Steve Nash, with Javon Carter, once again, a Phoenix Suns connection. Uh, if, you, if you paid attention to the Suns team last season, and the success that they had, especially with their second unit, there was a good uh, good part of that was a Javon Carter. Why he left a good thing over there? Well, no, but he he took a steep hit uh, and lost his value. Uh, you know, but players do that, right? They have a great season with the squad, and they feel like, well, I can flex and spread my wings. Let me go somewhere else. And you don't quite find the same success. I think also, if you look at championship teams, especially over the past decade or so. Those teams are teams that have those veteran others, right? The other guys who will contribute when the stars uh, maybe have an off game or mm-hmm. on the bench. And I feel like Dragic is that kind of player. Like I said, we know what we're going to get from him. We know he's going to be, he's crafty. He's going to get to the hole. He's going to be, uh, be able to hit the open three when necessary. And he has that veteran uh, calm that's gonna, that he'll bring to this team. So w- when you look at, pieces that you need to win a title this is a great addition Kyrie no Kyrie not saying he's he's like a Kyrie replacement but that gap between the games where Kyrie can't play depending on what the the vaccine mandate looks like in New York and then also Ben Simmons trying to get back into basketball shape and shake that rust off Goran Dragic has I feel enough to be able to give the Nets uh, what they need in the interim in that stopgap, especially when if when they get uh, KD back as well. Listen, Dragic, or as fans have called him in the past, the Dragon. Um, when you look at his numbers, you know nothing really stands out. Anything crazy, you know, he's had some good seasons here and there as far as regular season goes. But in his few postseason runs, All Star in 2018, All exactly All Star in 2018, and in the few he's had maybe five runs in the postseason one with Phoenix, four with Miami, and it's consistently averaging, what, 16 a game, 18.6, 19 a game, 16 a game. In his last run, it was it was um, 16 a game. And for a career, his post-season, postseason averages round out to about 15 a game with uh, three and a half assists, three rebounds, decent free throw um, percentage, decent three-point percentage, any, not anything special, but Definitely a player that shows up um, in the playoffs, shows up for bigger games. And, like, I, I don't know. I'd definitely rather have him on my team than have to play him in a seven-game series. I'll tell you that. And, and also in terms of, like, veteran, like, he's a – I feel like European players, by the time they come over, they're already veterans because they've been playing in the Euro League uh, or playing in their, their national domestic mm-hmm. league for – two, three, four, five years since they were teenagers. So by the time Dragic got drafted in 2008, 
he'd already been playing for four or five seasons uh, back home uh, and, and throughout Europe. So we say he's a 14-year vet. Really, he's closer to a 20-year veteran of mm-hmm. basketball. So th- those European players, when they come over, they bring over something different. And I know the debate of late has been, well, are European players overall better than, than American players? I wouldn't say they're better. I do think they're more prepared and they're more skillful and technically sound and fundamentally sound than American players are. Absolutely. I mean, um, that's a, yeah, that's a debate we have every draft year, you know, where it's just like, okay, you got the international market and especially European market. And you're just like, Oh, why does remember when Luca was drafted, people were like, all right, they say he's, you know, he's, he's filthy all this that and the other but he has to show himself in the league like the league a different different beast and they are to an extent but then Luca did what he did and now people are like oh okay <laughs> all right this, this guy Luca is, is is for real um so I totally get that yeah I love this move for Brooklyn um always been a fan of Goran Dragic even before the Derek White move happened when I found out I found out about the Dragic trade before I found out about the Derek White trade and also the fact that it was very rumored that the Spurs would uh, buy him out. I was thinking, yo, Celtics, that's our playmaker right there. That's that's that could be our one. Let's go for it. Um, especially if we can move Schroeder for whatever. We ended up getting Derek White, and I've already gushed about how Derek White's impact has already been felt. But I also did want Dark uh, Goran Dragic, the Dragon, on the Celtics. But having him on the Nets, like you mentioned. It does a lot for you guys uh, in the short term while you have Simmons out dealing with Kyrie, but also in the long term when you do get your pieces back and they're healthy. He's, he knows how to play off the bench, so it's not a matter of ego. He could be a starter, he could be a bench player, and he can be a contributing bench player, so a role player, really a six-man type character. It helps a lot for Brooklyn. Um, it's so funny that throughout the season, our view on Brooklyn has – went up and down like a goddamn roller coaster, right? We're high on him one week, then we're like, yo, what the hell is going on the next week? It, it's looking it's looking real shady. Then it's like, all right, nah, this is this is who we expected him to be. All right, they got this. And then it's but right now we're we're going towards a high where it's like, okay, they are salvaging the mess that was the first half of the season with these additions. And these additions are going to pay dividends as long as health is on their side, as long as health is on their side. Um, That being said, when it comes to what happened in Portland with DSJ, I just feel sorry for Cat, for the Cat, because he was supposed to be the next big thing or one of the next big things. Um, And now now we're just, he can't even get a role with a team. Not even the Trailblazers were low-key in a, a soft reboot, especially with Dame Lillard mostly, most likely done for the season. This team don't really have anything to play for like that. They're not trying to make a postseason run. They're just trying to uh, develop their pieces, and you're, you can't be given a shot, says a lot. I mean, I know injury has definitely come to play a role, but I think mentally, too, the mental game there is just my guy is lost, and, and it's kind of – kind of disappointing but gentlemen what do you guys have to say on the portland dsj subject like you mentioned dennis smith jr was a player who lebron highly touted around draft time 
Let's not forget, though, this is the same LeBron James who called Shabazz Napier his favorite player in the 2014 draft. Gets drafted by the Heat, and then gone with the wind, right? So, DSJ. And what happened to Shabazz? I know he hey, lost bro. for a bit. I bro. know. But that was wild to me that you was like, yo, I would love to play. And then you legit just dip up out of here when they dropped it. That's crazy. I, LeBron, LeBron might be might be cursed he might be cursing rookies out here without us knowing guard specifically so then if if y'all don't remember the knicks passed on dennis smith jr and in that draft class and instead drafted frank nilakina who is now ironically no longer with the knicks he's with the isn't he with the uh the mavs so frank so this is what lebron had to say about that whole situation especially uh lebron was still with cleveland at this time it was 2018 cleveland has just beat the mavs in a game as will lebron has to say the knicks passed on a really good one and dallas got the diamond in the rough he should be a nick that's going to make some headlines but he should be a nick dallas is definitely i know they're excited that he didn't go there yikes yikes listen Dennis Smith Jr., and in that game, to be fair, Dennis Smith Jr. had a great game. But the Mavs end up drafting a player. I don't know. Maybe you guys have heard of him, Luka Doncic. Uh, you, I, I don't know. Dra- draft that player a, a season later. And where is Dennis Smith Jr.? Dennis Smith Jr., highly touted coming out of uh, North Carolina State. A lot of folks were comparing him to... Uh, like Derek, we're calling him like Derek Rose 2.0, like just an athletic freak. I think he's like 6'1 and can literally jump out of the gym. Would the Knicks be different had they drafted a DSJ instead of a Frank Nilakina? I don't really think so. One of the best abilities you have as an athlete is availability. Actually, that goes for life, period. Densmith Jr. just hasn't been available to play. And I, I think minus like the rocket ship to the top that a Derrick Rose had, if you look at the, the way that injury has played a role in Derrick's, Derrick Rose's career and now DSJ's career, it's very similar. DSJ just hasn't bounced back. And I'll refer back to something I said a few moments ago about European players being more fundamentally sound than American players. I think we, we've stepped out of the era of, of uh, American players being able to make those adjustments as they grow older because I think of a lack of fundamental soundness. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, those are two that I that you know grew up watching. And both of them made the adjustment. When they realized they couldn't jump out of the gym anymore, they made that adjustment and developed that, that post-game and that fadeaway jumper that was unstoppable. Chris Paul. Chris Paul has developed Rose. that ridiculous mid-range situation right it was always there but now you know this dude chris paul can at the that can stop on a dime and hit that mid-range like 12 to 15 footer over anybody he's gonna get it dsj in order to stick around in this league is gonna have to find what that thing is maybe he becomes a spot up shooter maybe he becomes a, a three and d guy but he's gonna have to figure out what that looks like for him if not, he's either going to continue to bounce around or he's going to end up in the G League or he's going to end up playing in Europe. But unless he makes that adjust, and we've seen it time and time again, right? 
these athletic guys just can't figure it out once that their athleticism is gone. Derrick Rose, to his credit, became kind of a spot-up shooter, and we saw him have a resurgence a couple seasons ago. Uh, I'm interested to see what maybe someone like a Zion Williamson does. Um, I'm really interested to see, knock on wood right now, what adjustments John Morant even starts to make now because his game, as we know, is highly impacted by him, his athleticism, him able to get to the hole, shooting 72% around the rim. Best of any point guard, best of any player in the league as a point guard. Uh, He's doing this as a point guard. So Dennis Smith Jr., I wish him the best. I really hope he figures out what that thing is so he can uh, have some sort of a comeback or resurgence because remember, he's only five seasons into the league. Really three or four because he's had to sit out most of, of, of almost two seasons with injury. So I really hope the kid figures it out. This Dennis Smith Jr. situation is sad. Um, it's sad because we, we've seen throughout his career, or not his NBA career, but leading up to his NBA career, how talented he could be. Um, on this level and he definitely possessed skill but he he was really an athletic sided player and through the all these injuries and moving from team to team he's lost that explosiveness like you know osa said earlier when he was traded back not back but when he was traded to the knicks um it was a point where things just weren't working out and and he had to ask to play in the G League. Like he actually had to ask the Knicks organization to allow him to go to the G League um, bubble or whatever was going on at that time to play just so he could get more playing time. Um, obviously that didn't you know, really do much for him. And he was granted another opportunity at the beginning of the season with Portland. He, he signed a... Uh, he signed a uh, a training camp deal, and through injuries to Dame, through through injuries early on to CJ, DSJ was actually getting minutes. Um, just a month or so ago, he um, I want to say mid Jan or oh, no, sorry, early January, the Portland Trailblazers were given until the seventh to to keep DSJ for the rest of the season. And it's something that they did because through seeing little little stints of him getting some playing time, they weren't always great starts, but they saw he could be productive. Um, in in just a month, that's changed with uh, the CJ trade, them giving more more burn to younger guys like uh, a Simons, um, and and with DSJ having suffered. Uh, an elbow injury, I believe, that guaranteed contract turned into him being cut. Um, and we don't know. I mean, it definitely seems like he won't have a landing spot for the rest of this season because I don't think he's projected to come back for six to eight weeks or something like that. So that, that's a wrap for this season. Um, it's definitely the, motiv- the motivating for a young player, um, you know, a young guy in general who's looking at his peers, he's looking at some guys his age or some guys younger than him going to their first all-star game. Um, pretty much the NBA's in 
the beginning phases of the next generation. And he's not a part of that. And it, it doesn't seem like he he will be a part of it. And it's just a rude awakening sometimes for guys that are extremely confident in their talents and what they can do to, to have to come to the realization that, shit, I may have to be a role player or I may have to accept something else or do something else with my abilities because of my injury history or whatever it may be. Just changing your approach on how you look at the game, how you look at what you can bring to a team. It's definitely a big adjustment. And um, mentally, everyone can't do that. Everyone doesn't come to the necessary terms they have to, to to continue their career. And it's something, you know, I guess um, DSJ has gotten some D. Rose comparisons. But what I'm saying now is something that I give a lot of credit to D. Rose for having. Because post um, post the injury that he had, the serious, serious injury in the playoffs, um, he definitely tried to come back and be a starter. But he had to realize at some point, okay, maybe I'm not a starter or maybe I'm not a starter on every team. I can still do a little something, though. I can still come off the bench or I can still drop 30 or 40 on any given night, whether I'm starting or not. Um, as long as I help my team win, you know, um, I'll do whatever. And D. Rose is still a, a NBA player because of that, because of his willingness to mentally accept that and also change his game just a little bit to where he's not um, putting his body at as to as much risk or, you know, things like that. So while I feel sorry for DSJ, he made it into the league. Um, he's played for a few teams. I can't, you know, I can't feel too, too sorry for him because his career is not over yet. So it's just on to see what's the next step for him. Hopefully he has a, a strong support system to, you know, help him get through all of this. That's very understandable. Very understandable. So, yeah, that was breaking news. Uh, we <laughs> appreciate you guys for uh, joining me in that discussion. Um, the next topic at hand is a more serious matter. Don't worry, we will get to All Star Game. I promise we will get to All Star Weekend. But this is this is very important to note. Recent video has come out. Well, not even recent video. If you watched the game, you saw it between Michigan and Wisconsin and Michigan head coach Jawan Howard of the former Michigan Fab Five can be seen putting his hands on Wisconsin assistant coach. It led to a scuffle, with a lot of a lot of players joining in, some players especially on Michigan side getting a little hot. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. Watching that. And and here's the thing, too. I am forgetting one important piece. This all started because of a timeout. But but also I'm gonna let you get into get into more of the details there. I just want to say that unless that assistant coach said the N-word or some wild, outrageous joke. Jawan Howard, you are a goddamn fool. I should go and defer to Jabari on this one. I, I want to hear what Barry's got. The CEO has to say. I just, I just wanted to bring some context to the, to the situation before we 
dived into what we saw on camera and what everyone's focusing on. Um, it, it definitely stems from what Abe just mentioned, the, the timeout that was taken shortly before that recording took place. Um, if you go back and watch that game, Michigan was losing pretty handedly and he had his players present still. Obviously, Jawan wasn't happy with his team's performance and he was further unhappy with the timeout that, that Wisconsin took. Wisconsin's head coach opted to take because, you know, his, his, his team was being pressed and he just wanted to, to reorganize, especially with these players that don't get much burn in a season. These players that were out there might play just a few minutes. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, back to the confrontation, um, Jawan, from what he spoke, what he said on it, um, and he didn't say much. He kept it pretty simple in the fact that he didn't like the timeout and that touching him was uncalled for at a time where they were verbally communicating and moving past each other. Um, he didn't he didn't like being touched, especially you can see like the line was kind of moving. It's just like passing words. He didn't like being touched and, and not just touched, but held um, from continuing to move. Um, from Greg Gard, which is Wisconsin's head coach, he also on the record said that Jawan came up to him, pulled his mask down, which we saw in the video, and started pointing at him in reference to the timeout, saying, I'll remember that. Gard said he tried to grab Jawan um, to explain, I guess himself, explain why the timeout was taken. And that's when everything we witnessed, you know, went down. That's when the uh the extra stuff went down. Obviously, they were separated, and the assistant coach of Wisconsin was closer, still, you know, talking or whatever, to Jawan, and Jawan reached out and ended up mushing him pretty much. Um, at first, it did look like a close fist punch or something, but when you do play it back, he mushed him. Like, he, he did make contact with his face, but it was a mush. Um, and not to, not to, uh, make any excuses or anything for him just just trying to clearly say that he didn't like actually rock him like he didn't punch rock him or whatever it may be um my opinions on it is uh well first before my opinions i do want to say the non-basketball media are are gonna depict this in a way um you have a large black male striking a, a small white male so that's going to be viewed in that way. It's going to be viewed as he punched him, he assaulted him. Um, there will be media outlets saying that he could, he may have a case for like an actual legal case for assault or something like that. They, you will hear that. But surprisingly, no one's been really calling for Jawan to be fired, just, just suspended um, among reputable basketball reporters, at least. Um, I don't think Wisconsin's head coach should have forced contact on Jawan. He's, he was already angry that that much was visible. And he knows, obviously he has, you know, decent reasoning for the timeout, but he knows on the other end, that reasoning isn't something that they're thinking about. Um, so I don't think he should have held Jawan. I'll start with that because that was before the contact that, you know, the extra contact. And I definitely don't think Jawan should have reacted in the way he did as, you know, just as the head coach, because um, it kind of, it kind of sparks like a, a domino effect among the other assistants, among the players. 
to where they all feel like they have to defend themselves or defend their coach um, from what other players on the other team or other coaches may do. Realistically, I think Jawan should receive a suspension. I don't think this is a fireball offense. I hope I'm not controversial in saying that. Um, but because he was physically touched first, I'm not trying to, you know, play a, a childish game or say he touched me first, this or that, but he didn't punch him in his face. I don't think this should be a fireball offense. They may go as 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 far as to suspend him for the rest of the season. Um, whatever length they they come to, I don't really, I don't really have that in mind. I do think this puts the athletic director of Michigan in a in a tight situation, um, Ward Maniel, because of how it looks. But then you have to also factor into how your why your coach did this and how he felt. And Jawan said he felt the need to defend himself um, after you know being touched. He did say those words, so it, it it puts Michigan's top you know it puts their athletic director in a in a tough position. Um, and like, I, you know, I did mention how it looks to, to the outside media that aren't specifically like going into details to break down the film. It does look away. But I will say in Jawan's career and his long career, going back to the Fab Five, to, to playing heavy minutes in the NBA, to being a role player, to being a bench warmer, he hasn't had much confrontations that we can we can look at. We can go back and say, OK, he has a reputation of being an angry guy or 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 a combative guy um in the nba it is like one situation when he barely got playing time when he was on the heat and that was just checking a player um before the game started and and i believe last season as a coach he got into it with another coach um not physically or anything like that just like a shouting match and they were both um i think or i know at least Jawan was suspended just you know for a little bit because of that but overall, he's been a, a gentle giant, um, in my opinion. Like everything I've seen from documentaries to to 30 for 30s where he's been included in it, um, you don't really see much negative being said about him. Um, I think everyone makes mistakes. And unfortunately for him, his mistake was nationally televised. But um, I do think he made a mistake. I, I don't I don't question his leadership or his passion for wanting to coach um Michigan basketball um it, it means a lot to him it means a lot to to people that support Michigan it means a lot to the rest of the fab five that he has that job and his students his um the the players that he coaches they love him like from all accounts I see they love him um so I'm just that's my opinion on things I do think he has to pay for you know what he did, but I just don't want to see him lose his job or these players lose uh, a valuable coach like Jawan, who has so much experience and so much things he can teach these kids. I hand it off to you, Osa. Yeah, well, well said, Jabari. Well said. I, I'm not going to paint this like Jabari said. Folks who are in the non-sports media, up in arms, right? We're in such a polarized time in our society where. As much as you know, folks on one side will say, we need to move past, talk about race. But the second a situation like this happens, you begin to use uh, racial dog whistles to respond. 
what this comes down to is when you, from a sports perspective, okay, this is the same thing as in baseball, right? There's certain things in baseball you just don't do in some people's eyes. And if you violate it, for example, uh, you're, they're going to be repercussions. So for example, you throw a pitch at one of our guys, best believe we're telling our pitcher to headhunt uh, one of your guys the next time he's up to bat. Will it result in a brawl? Potentially benches might clear. In basketball, there's there's thing you you if your team is up big, you're not calling a timeout, especially late in the game. Your team's up, you know, double digits. You're not calling a timeout with 30 seconds left in the game. That's exactly what happened in this case. Juwan Howard didn't appreciate it. However, the question must remain as well. Hey, Juwan Howard, why were you? And he was asked during the press conference. Were you running a full court press? And he says, no, no, I wasn't running a full court press. It was just, you know, quote unquote, high press, so to speak. Greg Gard had called a timeout to help his second stringers out so that they wouldn't get a 10 second violation. Juwan Howard didn't like it. Juwan Howard didn't like being touched, as we see in the line. The way I interpreted it, I'm not saying this is, I'm not saying that this is what happened. This is the way I interpreted it. Juwan Howard already felt a type of way, was walking through the handshake line and had every intention of ignoring Greg Gard as a show of, hey, man, I'm not rocking with you right now. Greg Gard knew Juwan Howard was going to feel a type of way about it, which is why he grabbed him and said, hey, like, what's up type of thing. Juwan Howard was already on 10. Greg Gard, it's an emotionally charged situation where I think uh, Juwan Howard went wrong was after being separated by players, you go and you mush a man in the face. That's, that's the only place I think Juwan Howard went wrong. In the bigger picture, right, Juwan Howard is a leader of men. Both of these individuals are leaders of men. And so they, they could have chosen a better way to handle this, to, sh to set an example for both sets of players, because what ensues afterward is a brawl. Both coaches could have done a better job of handling the situation. Greg Gard could have hit Jawan Howard on the side, shot him a text, whatever. People would have read into Jawan Howard ignoring Greg Gard in the handshake line. Yeah, they would have read into it. Greg Gard could have hit Jawan Howard on the side, buried the hatchet, and it comes out later. Instead, we have a moment. And if you were watching this game live, what you would have seen was, if you were watching the CBS telecast, is you would have seen, you know, the end of the CBS telecast, they normally have the, 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 the the credits running, the sponsors, and you would have seen the handshakes going on. And literally right before the camera is supposed to cut, you would have seen Jawan Howard and Greg Gard getting in each other's face and having this heated exchange and wondering, oh, what, what in the world's happening? I think situations like this are best addressed, especially for, like why we're, how we're doing this right now, a day after the event has taken place. Because I can guarantee you, if we had had this conversation day of, it, it would have gone a different way. I think calling for his firing is extreme, very extreme. Because if that's the case, you know who should have been fired maybe a couple years into their coaching career at Indiana University? Bobby Knight. Because mm -hmm. Bobby Knight did way more extreme than this. So let's not play. And, and I get it. Indiana protected Bobby Knight, whatever. But Juwan Howard has done a great job with this Michigan program. If the players didn't like him and the locker room didn't have his back, 
that's a different story. But the players love him. He is a he's a and he, of course, he has that credibility as a former player. Right now, this isn't his first incident. He had a he had an incident. Uh, I think it was earlier in the season where he had to be uh, separated because he was you know walking towards a, an opposing coach and had some words for him. But overall, I'm gonna make a little light of the situation. It is what it is. Those Fab Five boys have an issue when it comes to timeouts. Chris Webber is somewhere thinking, "Hey, Doc, the timeouts ain't worth it." It's not worth it, man. Overall, though, if, if you're out there calling for Jawan Howard's firing, that's a bit much. I think a couple game suspension, it should suffice. The, the apology tour is already happening. Coaches, coach to coach, right? Uh, athletic director to athletic director is happening. Uh, so it's, it's already taking place. Let's not blow this out of proportion. We're, we're so reactive in this time in our society and in our world. Because things can go viral so quickly, right? So we're, we're going to be quick to look at the footage, especially because I can tell you this right now, you, the, the, the framing of this situation is what's made it even worse. Because the framing is, the first thing I saw is I was scrolling through Bleacher Report yesterday, minutes after the incident happened, not knowing the incident happened, was Jawan Howard throws punch at opposing coach. I said, oh, shoot, Jawan Howard out here throwing blows. Let me see what's going on here. And as I watched it, I, so the, the, the first clip I saw was of Jawan Howard initially going for the militia. And I was like, well, he didn't punch him. Let me find a video that shows the full situation. And as I watched the full situation, and I also had the context that it was that Jawan Howard was upset about the timeout. Yeah, I felt the type of way like, okay, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have gone to that level. But first of all, he didn't punch him. So think about it. If I'm Joe Schmo watching this, this footage and I've seen, and in my mind, I've read a caption that says Jawan Howard punches opposing coach. All I'm going to see is a punch. I'm not going to see an open-handed mush in the face. All I'm going to see is a punch. And all I'm going to see, like Jabari said, is a six foot nine black male punching down in my mind on a five foot eight white male, defenseless white male who's who, you know, they're already separating them. He this 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 angry black man reached through and tried to strike this 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 defenseless white man. Stop it, folks. Let's stop it. Okay. Two grown men had a heated moment. Two grown men coaches had a heated moment at the end of a game. If you understand the unspoken rules of basketball, you will know. Juwan Howard had a point to be upset. I'll equate it to this. Married folks, you could, you could understand this. You and your spouse handle conflict differently. Maybe one spouse is the one who likes to talk it out immediately. The other spouse is like, nah, I need space to kind of chill and get my head together before I say or do something I'm going to regret or say or do something stupid. In this situation, Juwan Howard is the spouse who needs some space and time to clear their head before they say something. Greg Gard was, is the spouse who's like, no, we got to talk about this right now. Nine times out of 10, you are not going to get, I'd even say 10 out of 10, you are not going to have healthy conflict resolution in that space. There has to be a compromise and a healthy medium to make sure it doesn't explode. In this case, it exploded. Fire of Jawan Howard, absolutely unnecessary. Couple game suspension, yes. Uh, I think maybe the more severe end that I could anticipate possibly seeing if the Big Ten is influenced by all the chatter going on outside, all the outside noise, is a possible suspension of Juwan Howard 
for the tournament if they make the NCAA tournament, which I think is extreme as well. Suspend him for a couple of games. Let's move on for this. It's, it's, let's not make this more than it needs to be. Yeah, for me, it's just the foolishness comes at, like, you got pulled back. It should have been deaded right there. You know, I, I understand you, the heat of the moment. But for you to, to, to rush back, it's just like, did he say something <laughs> that would require you to rush back? Because at that point, you know me, there's certain situations where it's like, all right, when you when the opposing party says certain words, I'm all like, yeah, no, nah, they can't let that slide because they they too comfy. But um, yeah, in this case, I I also believe he definitely deserves to be suspended. Definitely deserves to be suspended. I was thinking honestly, two games. Uh but March Madness is right around the corner. So we'll see how they do it. And we'll see just how hard, how harsh they will be. Because at the end of the day, we're three black men, you know, talking about the situation. The decision makers are not us. <laughs> you know, the decision makers are, are older white men, unfortunately. Or, you know, so we'll see what comes of it. Now, let's move into some more fun stuff or well in this case this one was kind of boring uh the dunk contest at the all-star game the winner was Obi Toppin who dedicated this uh dunk trophy to the city of New York and the New York Knicks that's dope gang gang um but yeah the the dunk contest was uneventful I I turned it on watched one dunk and then said you know what yeah I I'm just gonna Gonna go play video games or some joint like that. What were your take on the dunk contest, Jabari? With the dunk contest, I'll keep this short. Um, congratulations to Opie Toppin and the Knicks on the only thing they'll accomplish this year. Um, why you gotta do them like that? Why you gotta do them like that? Well, Shots fired. Well, the Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks. I mean, you'll see, you'll see. So, <laughs> um, the dunk contest is horrible. Um, there's a lot of things wrong with it. I'll just go straight into what people are saying, what, what the fixes should be. And they, it's being said that, you know, people want dunkers. People want people that actually practice the craft of creating interesting dunks and doing it for a living. They want them involved in the dunk contest. Um, some people are calling for it to just be dumb. I actually think it should be mixed. Um, you take players that actually are going to take this seriously, mix it in with play. Uh, sorry, not players, but people that, you know, are great dunkers. And just a couple of years ago, was it Shaq? Somebody had a TV show where we had people doing this all night. And all of those yeah, guys were Shaq. Yeah, all of, all of those guys were better than anything we've seen um, in recent history, with the exception of whenever Gordon or one of those guys, Levine or whatever, performs and the dunk contest. So it's almost never going to be hype surrounding it when you don't have the names. Like, obviously, if you have a John Morant or Bron, you know, finally participating in one, or um, there's, there's, there's a few younger guys that just didn't participate. And the lineup was pretty underwhelming, because, you know, because of that. But that doesn't mean <laughs> they had to, to, perform dunks that seem like they they literally just tried for the first time yesterday and, and continuously missing 
this and that. So I'll keep it short of the dunk contest. I think it, it is smart to maybe add in people that that take the craft of dunking seriously or, you know, do something as far as filtering who you have participate because it just seems like you can put your name in a hat and they'll just say, okay, well, we don't really have much people this year. So by, and by, by default, you, you know, you can be in this dunk contest. It, it was easily um, probably one of, if not the least entertaining. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the least entertaining thing this weekend. Um, I had more fun watching the skills challenge. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yikes. Dunk contest participants this year. Oh, what a grand list it was. Obi Toppin, Jalen Green, Cole Anthony, and Juan Toscano-Anderson. Here's the thing about the dunk contest. The dunk contest and the three-point contest are very similar in this respect. There are guys who are great in-game dunkers. There are guys who are great just exhibition dunkers. And then there are guys who can actually do both, who are a rare breed who can do both. In the three-point contest, you have guys who are great in-game shooters and guys who are great just spot-up shooters and then guys who can do both. This three-point contest, is as I look at that, I mean, not three-point, this dunk contest, as I look at that lineup, Obi Toppin maybe is the only one who I think can do both. All the others are, are really decent in-game dunkers. But I was not, I said this, I think, three episodes ago. I, am, I was not, and I held that stance all the way through All-Star Weekend, was not excited about All-Star Weekend. Anything in All-Star Weekend. This might be the most unenthusiastic I've ever been about an all-star, all-star weekend. And the dunk contest was proof of that. Not a single 50-point worthy dunk. Not one. Obi Toppin won without a single 50-point dunk. Let that cook your noodle. I knew we were in trouble with the dunk contest after 2020. We even, well, actually, the space in between the two, are arguably two out of the top five greatest dunk contests of all time, 2016 and 2020. 2016, we had the duel between Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, which I think head-to-head might be the greatest in terms of creativity. 2022, we had the duel between Aaron Gordon and Derrick Jones Jr., which I think is is real close to the Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon. But because of the scoring that went down in that 2020 contest, we, what ends up happening, Aaron Gordon says, I'm not competing ever again. Mm-hmm. I honestly think if Aaron Gordon is, is willing to compete in the dunk contest, I think this year we would have got Aaron Gordon versus Ja Morant. Can you imagine Aaron Gordon versus Ja Morant? That would have been the box office draw of the weekend. Not even the, 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 the top 75 ceremony, not even the all-star game, but that moment right there. The dunk contest, I think we are due for another uh, a good lull that's going to last, I think, another season or two or three. And then I think we'll, it, it'll, it'll, it'll pick back up again. There'll be someone who'll come in who's just like a, a Derek Smith Jr., if you, not Derek Smith Jr., Derek Jones Jr., if you follow Derek Jones Jr.'s uh, trajectory in his career, you would know the guy has a thing about dunking, right? It's something he, he just likes to do. It's something he's, he thinks about creatively. It's something we, right, we know. This dude, his takeoff is ridiculous. I watched his dunk contest in college, and I was like, I can't wait till this dude gets to the pros because when he gets to the pros, he's going to fire up the dunk contest again. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping we see someone like that come up uh, into the league, maybe bring Aaron Gordon out of retirement. It, it would say, this is how bad the dunk contest was. If you were watching the All-Star game, there were dunks that went down in the All-Star game that guys like Reggie Miller and Dwayne Wade were like, man, that was better than anything we saw in the dunk contest last yeah. night. Yeah, what? definitely. That's a shame. Definitely. Oh, that's a shame. Even the best dunk, in most people's opinion, that Obi Toppin had his little uh, that hit the ball off the backboard and then dunked it. Here's the thing about Obi Toppin's dunks, and here's why they didn't get a 50. An element you need in a dunk during the dunk contest is a level of like ferocity. There wasn't that. Obi Toppin had some dunks that were like, oh, that's really cool. But there wasn't that ferocity. It's like being a battle rapper and you throw a bar out there, but you throw it out there and it's kind of like, it, you throw it out there like it's a throwaway when it's like, no, if you really have some oomph behind it, like folks would be like, oh, the crowd will go crazy. It'd be, it'd be a, a room shaker. That's how I felt about Obi Toppin's dunks. Like you, if you had that ferocity behind it, you would have folks out their seats. KG might've taken it back to, to 2000 when Vince Carter had his little <laughs> situation and would have brought the little camcorder out and got like, it might've been that, but it wasn't. What, what, what Osa just saying. said, look, hey, what Osa just said about the dunk contest is my problem. With the, the way it's set up, you're only going to get two, maybe three good dunk contests in a decade. And then the rest of the seven, eight years are just going to be horrible, not memorable contests. Um, like, we, I don't have, I definitely, like, looking in the future, I know we're going to see some crazy dunk contests. I know we're going to see some crazy dunks. It's just not going to come at a volume that's going to have people caring on a year-to-year basis about this competition. And, and that's my problem. And that's why in the last from the 2010s to now, I've cared way more about not not slightly, but way more about the three point contest than the dunk contest because it seems like every year the three point contest is competitive. It, it's something I'm watching. It's not as exciting because it's shooting versus dunking, but there's a competitiveness to it um, that the dunk contest just hasn't been matching. Like, if you're not bringing your A game to the three-point contest, you're out in the first round, and we don't see you again. With the dunk contest, we're just watching so much misses, so much unenthusiastic dunks, and and just like what Osa said about Obi Toppin, like, the the level of ferociousness to it is just missing, Um, and that's important. You look back at some of the best dunk contests, um, whoever it's Vince and T-Mac at that dunk contest Osa just mentioned, where Shaq and KG and everyone's in the crowd like with big ass camcorders or you go back to who's it Jordan Neek was that the famous one yeah that was the one in 88 you could go back to just a few years ago with um Gordon Levine part one um honestly we know what we want in a dunk contest we don't want excessive misses we want creativity we want ferociousness we want we want to have to look back at we want to have to look back at the, the slow motion to see what we missed, to see, you know, what was too quick for our eyes. Like, and, and we're just not seeing that. And, and it's, it's boring as hell. I'm sorry. <laughs> my, one oh. of my all-time favorite dunk contests was uh, the one that Andre Iguodala was in. He had that combination. If you remember Prime Iggy, that man had that combination of ferocity and creativity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That dunk he did off the side of the backboard and this, and this dude has so much boost, he bumped his head on the rim in that transition from 
getting the ball from the side of the backboard all the way to doing the reverse underneath the hoop. Like those days are I'm gone. I'm seeing that dunk in my head as you're as you're saying it, bro. That dunk was ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly, though, man, when I think about it, uh, the man who might have ruined the dunk contest, and I hate to beat up on this guy, is Nate Robinson. I knew that was coming. Nate yeah, I Robinson. Gonna, I was going to be like, well, we haven't mentioned that one. Yeah, and, I mean, um... he okay. Think about it. He won the contest in 06, 09, and 2010. So he won back to back dunk titles. But if you remember correctly. That I think it was the 2006 contest or 2009 contest. It was one of those two where this dude had missed dunk after missed dunk after missed dunk. And that's was that against Dwight. Yes. And mm-hmm. that was the one that forced the rules change. So now because of the rules change, we are in this weird space where, like you said, Barry, we might get one or two good ones every decade. But Nate Robinson with the repeated missed dunks put us in a bad, bad space. Thanks for ruining. See, once again, a Nick is ruining things for the rest of the NBA. They do great. That being said, yeah. So basically, Obi, the the biggest thing for you, Osan, is that Obi Toppin is not a performer. He's not a performer. He's not an entertainer. In that to aspect. be fair, Obi Toppin was actually my my dark horse going into last season before anyone had played a game to win Rookie of the Year, and then he got hurt, as most Knicks rookies do. And, and 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 we see how that went okay i'm rooting for the dude i i want to see ob do well in the league but once again like we talked about a few episodes ago with our boy rob dibs ain't gonna let them young dudes play so this is the only shine ob Toppin's probably gonna get for the next five years barring a 50 point game Lord out of nowhere mercy. not next five years all right so i want to get into um the talk of the all-star game because I have an apology to make. When the the All Star Game for me, um, before rule change, uh, was starting to dwindle down a little bit. Um, of course, Kobe's last one was exciting because it was Kobe's last one he put on the show for us. Then uh, the rule change just didn't really make sense to me, and it kind of just like I wasn't feeling it. I was going to miss this last night's All-Star game, Sunday night's All-Star game. But I decided to uh, watch it with a couple of friends. And I caught the fourth quarter. And that John actually felt like a playoff game. Game seven. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, they actually trying out here. Like... (laughs) Like this is this is this is what I this is what I want to watch in an All Star game. I want to see the best of the best actually try against each other. You have these are the ultimate super teams, right? This is like the, the every fantasy football, uh, every fantasy baseball player's dream on two K to put this these rosters together. I want to see him go at it, and we got that. And I was just like, all right. You know what? Maybe this format is isn't as bad as I thought. I just have to give it a chance. I just have to. By fourth quarter, the John pops off. Steph Curry went off. He was two for shot, and he was gunning for it. He was gunning for it in the fourth. He was always shooting threes, and it just wasn't falling. And they was trying to get him get him the the record too for most uh All Star game points. And B was balling. 
had over 33 points efficient. Boy, LeBron, that that last that game winner, that shot was crazy. That shot was crazy. I, I didn't think it was gonna go in. It just it was it was wet. That was exciting for me. I haven't look, I haven't felt that way about a all-star game in, in a long time. And that 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 felt really good for me. Also, how did you feel about the all-star game? not excited until this is the comment that actually made me excited so i was going back and forth between watching it on t the tnt telecast with kevin harlan Dwayne wade reggie miller so i know reggie miller can either be really good as a commentator or really annoying as a commentator and no then and they, yeah no in between and they brought in some interest you know some, when he some, covers some, the knicks He's usually very like he's just like all right, you and your you and your petty bag all like yeah, oh, you okay. you super petty. Yeah, like I'm waiting like, for him right, during the Knicks game to like just get up from the commentary booth and walk over to Spike Lee and just smack the back of Spike Lee's head like ha ha like yeah, come on Reggie chill out. It, they have some interesting you know former players that they brought in for moments during uh d- during uh, I remember there was a great moment with Allen Iverson in there uh, especially as they were talking about. Uh, the conversation that Dwayne Wade and Allen Iverson had when they were hanging out with Jason Tatum the night before. I know Abe, you probably love that as a, as a Celtics fan to hear them, you know, AI give his roses and, and talk about all that. They had Dirk on there. And then I, there's on the other side, there was the TBS uh, simulcast with the inside the NBA crew who you already know was, was jokes all night. Shaq and, and Charles Barkley out here ordering chicken tenders, like some, the big boys they are. And, uh, and, and Draymond in there as well. It was fun hearing Draymond get booed uh, by the Cleveland crowd during the player introduction. Same thing with Steph. And I think they messed up booing Steph because Steph, during the, the simulcast, they, they had Steph mic'd up while Steph is sitting on the bench after starting the game. And I think it was Kenny asked him, hey, man, so when are you, you going to go for the, uh, when are you going to decide that maybe you're going to go for All-Star Game MVP? And he said, depends on how things are when I start my second rotation. If I'm re- it, when I when I get in and I read the game, if things look a little light, then I'm gonna put on a show. And y'all, that man put on a show. Eight threes in the first half. 24 points, eight threes. You do the math. All his points were off of threes. And it was cute because um, I, I feel like Steph, maybe Steph wasn't intentional about this, but maybe Steph was about also humbling Trey Young. Trey Young and his dad have been popping off a little too much lately as if, and I get it, like trick or Trey, ice Trey, all of that. Right. But Trey, know your role. Steph is still in the league. You ain't that dude just yet. You are not the reason that the Eastern conference to tell your dad, maybe he needs to delete that tweet. You're not the reason that the Eastern conference folks was going out making trades and making moves. You're not that scary. Okay. You had one good series against the New York Knicks, and all of a sudden you think you're Steph Curry and Reggie Miller all rolled into one. That ain't it yet. That ain't it, kid. So it was funny. Like, the first – I remember the first three that Steph hit in the game was from – was almost at the logo. Trey comes down, hits a three uh, from a similar spot. And folks are like, oh, it's going to be a back and forth between these two. Trey was cold the rest of the game. And I don't mean, like, ice cold, like, I'm, I'm that dude. No, cold is in, like, couldn't hit a bucket. This dude, Steph Curry, ended up hitting 16 threes for the game. 16 this man hit eight in the first half and i think he almost hit eight in the third quarter by himself he single-handedly brought team lebron back to even be in contention in this game i was really hoping he was gonna put up at least 60 points hit 23s 
60 points on 23s. That's what I wanted to see. He was the sole reason why the All-Star game was enjoyable. Like Abe said, that, that game-winning bucket that LeBron hit, I thought for sure he was about to break that joint. This man had Embiid in his face as well. And go ahead and put that in and put that in the uh that was them Cleveland rims. Like he that was that was like muscle memory or something. That's that's exactly what that was from the wing, too. Like it wasn't his usual spot that he likes to take that fadeaway from, but he yeah, that was pure muscle memory. That was that was uh that was his body feels still feeling like it's quick and loans again, like he's still back at the queue, even though it's now the rocket mortgage field house. That's what that was. Overall, this all-star, I, I appreciate the format, you know. Giving money to charity to, to the charities of each team's choosing, depending on who wins what quarter. And if, if they tie at the end of a quarter, then they, the money gets split to charities. It's great because you see the, the kids who are part of parts of these charities in the in the stands going nuts because they know, for example, with LeBron's I, I promise scholarship for Kent State, like kids are getting their education funded and, and getting an opportunity they never would have got. I love the tribute to Kobe in the fourth quarter and, and guys duking it out, but Something else has got to happen. You can see with All-Star Weekend that, that the league is trying to make some tweaks to make it more interesting, but something else has got to happen. And maybe this is just the result of like the COVID lull that we've had over the, the past three years. Maybe there's just still a dark cloud hanging over the league from Kobe's passing. But the league needs to do something to make All-Star Weekend inviting again and entertaining again. Uh, I don't even want to purchase an All-Star jersey this year. No one was putting out all-star kicks that I even wanted to wear this year that, you know, guys like me and Abe with big feet would be looking at and saying, well, we could rock those. No, they need to do something to make the all-star weekend a draw again. Absolute facts. And um, I just sent a picture to a group chat that I saw. On yeah, Twitter. I just it, saw that. That, <laughs> that John is ridiculous, yo. That John is ridiculous. That's so early. In the, that is that is wild to me. It, and for those who are wondering, um, first of all, follow us on Twitter at Osa underscore a podcast at Prince underscore a L a W a L at Brooklyn Bari. Is that an underscore? Yeah. Underscore Bari. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. The Brooklyn doesn't have a L in it or something like that. I got to, <laughs> all right he just made it difficult just look at the at yeah the check description check, check the description yeah um but it's it's steph hitting the three and already heading towards the other end but the ball is still nowhere near the hoop like it's still traveling and it's like my man already ready to go play defense this is crazy it's otherworldly you know all those people who hate steph i i see i see why y'all hate him I would hate him too, honestly. If I was y'all, I would hate him too. Because this is this is this is not this is not human. That's crazy. No, mind you, uh, this man. I'm sure at least I think at least half of his threes that I saw him hit were from the logo or deeper. Like, and and it wasn't just from the logo or deeper. This dude's taking threes and turning around and walking away, what? and it just like, oh, it's going in. It has to be going in. Like this dude hit a corner three. I think it was in the, like in the, the middle of the third quarter. I think it was it was his it was his um. 14th or 15th three 14th that's what it was this dude from the corner shoots it up turns around and looks at someone in the front row and asks them did that go in oh it went in okay bet and goes up court like what oh man no the way he had the way he had the the legends and the vets going crazy was the same way the legends and vets were going crazy 
when Vince Carter had his performance in the dunk contest. It was it was on that level. And can and can you be surprised from that reaction was Garner for a dunk contest? This is for a three point shooter. Like wow. But the crazy thing is, it's how often does he do that and it doesn't go in? Because we would have had memes about it already, to be honest. I don't, I don't see any memes about, like, I feel like, because there are times where he shoots it and you can tell from his body language, he knows before it hits the rim that he knows it's not going in. But for him to be this so confident, and he does this multiple times, and I've never seen him do this and miss. So, <laughs> this, you know what? All right. Anyway. Anyway, look, All-Star Weekend was, um, overall for me, All-Star Weekend was meh. You know, the, the most exciting thing was the fourth quarter of the All-Star game. But overall, it was, it was a meh weekend to me. With the, with the All-Star game, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it had the right amount of competitiveness, not enough defense for anyone to get injured or for the game to be boring, but when defense was needed, we definitely saw it somewhat played, like, you know, especially from Jared Allen down the stretch on Embiid. You know, when, when they are trying to win the game, it seems like these players are understanding, you know, when to trigger, when to trigger that, that de- defensive switch. Um, so I, I definitely like the intensity of the all-star game. I love the, the, uh, 75 that we'll get into I love that part of the Sunday with all-star weekend I can't say I was hyped about all-star weekend I I haven't been hyped about all-star weekend in a while but I can't say looking back at it as a whole nothing really disappointed me except for the dunk contest and that little um game that Steph Curry and his wife played with two chains and and his wife that was so annoying um the the host yeah, that host, she annoys me too. I'm sorry. I don't mean to like pick on anyone. She kind of was around for the entire weekend. And I just, yeah, I didn't like that game. I didn't like the host. It was annoying. It was unnecessary. But the Rise and Star Challenge, the, uh, you know, since we're not going to talk too much about that, the team aspect of it, like Team Cavs, Team Rookie, Team Antetokounmpo, that was cool. You know, it wasn't, you know, it seemed fun. It seemed fun. And the players that competed in it, definitely looked like they enjoyed it or, you know, had fun. Um, So as a whole, I can't say All-Star Weekend was a disappointment, but the the slam dunk contest really holds it back because there's a lot of people that view that as like the MVP um, event of the weekend, or if not that, then right next to the All-Star game for being the MVP event. so they, they they still have a lot of work to do um, in, in that respect. You know, right before I finish, though, I'll say, because you guys pretty much covered everything I, I would have said about Steph. Like, we, he's amazing. That performance that was amazing. The shooting performance was amazing. A lot of people probably expected All-Star MVP before that game occurred it to go to the uh, the kid from Akron. LeBron James, but it, I mean, it went to a kid from Akron. <laughs> it went to a kid from Akron, just that not, part. just not, just not oh. LeBron James, but Steph Curry is a, you know, a local Akron born, same hospital as LeBron. Um, <laughs> so, you know, all those boos that he was getting leading up to the event is definitely fitting. Um, 
because you know there's a lot of memories <laughs> Cav fans have with Steph Curry or more specifically that team. I don't really see why they boo Curry that much. Maybe the Shimian or whatever. But as far as the playoffs is concerned, there's been a lot of other Golden State players that have killed the Cavs uh, throughout history. Uh, but Curry was amazing. LeBron, that that game winner that that we were just talking about was amazing. It didn't look like it was going in. I watched a lot of LeBron fadeaways. Um, that didn't look like one that was about to head in, and it just just fell right in. It was amazing to see. Um, it, it just it was just a great event. Um, like I said, I love I love the intensity. I love the 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 pacing of it. A few players scored twenty. I want to say on on Team Durant, you had Embiid with thirty six. That was huge. Booker with twenty. Murray and Lamelo with seventeen and eighteen apiece. Then on Team LeBron, you got what. LeBron with 24, Curry with the 50 piece, Giannis with the 30 piece, and you know, little help from DeRozan down the stretch, a little help from uh, Joker. Joker put his whole skill set on display: 10 points, nine rebounds, eight assists in 21 minutes. I mean, it's the All Star game, but this is what he does. <laughs> I, I'm not even joking with you. This is what Joker does. I, before I finish, I was happy for the hometown guys that play for Cleveland that that made the team, like Darius Garland. Jared Allen, I, I'm specifically happy for Jared Allen. Like this kid is such a nice kid. Um, works hard, works on his craft. Um, he was catching a little flack this weekend because of him wearing like a little casual fit. Uh, I'll put it on wax right now. Like that fit doesn't bother me. It was. It's not as crazy as people want to make it seem. It was. It was just a comfortable fit. Like if it was some square stuff, I'd tell you, but. Jared Allen himself is just a regular guy. He's just tall. So let the kid live. Um, you want him to, to dress in, in Westbrook attire or in uh, Harden attire is not going to happen. He's humble. Um, money ain't changing him. And he's a workaholic. So he ain't really focused on all that. As long as it fits and it ain't holes in it, he going to wear it. So leave the kid alone. Let him continue to, to progress it on and off the basketball court. And he responded to it. He's not, you know, taking it too hard or anything like that, but just leave the furrow alone. All right. <laughs> no, because of All-Star Weekend, some people get to chat with other people and some storylines are created. And uh, one recent storyline that is currently floating on Twitter, and you guys know how I feel about this player, is a cat to Boston might could be a thing. You know, he was seen chopping it up with, with KG, Mikhail, Pierce, Tatum, you know, Parrish. You know, people were like, oh, all right. Even though, like, people forget that KG also, and Mikhail have the many connections as well. Like, they, they, there's there's a more than one reason why why Cat uh, would be talking to them. Um, KG was sort of a mentor to Cat while he was uh, serving on a the staff there. Mikhail, obviously, was a former coach of of Cat, um, or at least worked with Cat. Uh, look, <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of Cat, you know, but he is offensively talented, and if we were to have him, I never, I still don't like Tristan Thompson. I had to accept he was on my team. This isn't as bad. Um, if it happens, it happens. Look, if you want to go to Boston, Cat, I guarantee you, you will have a that'd be a nasty big three. 
especially since you got Robert Williams, you know, you got Time Lord who can help uh, pick up your slack defensively. So, or you have Tatum who can help pick up your slack defensively too. So it, it works, right? But um, yeah, that's still one room I want to talk about because it pertains to the Celtics and we always have to include some Celtics talk in here. Listen, what did our guest Travis Demers say? Or Demers? Beat LA? No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, he did say he never owned a Celtics jersey, but he said this. He said, he "said beat LA." A player, if a player is on the is if the if a player I despise comes to my team, he's our guy. It is yeah. what it is. Tristan so, Thompson yeah. was was my guy for however long he was with the Celtics. I was glad there it wasn't is. as long as it, it, it needed to be. <laughs> that, <laughs> but that he was my guy. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean that's the you know say. If it happens, it happens. I don't need it. I well, do we need it? Having a, a scoring big man like that on a team whose overall defense is still solid, not a bad thing. Um, will it happen? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, as long as we don't give up Time Lord, because <laughs> you don't want to give up Time Lord. Time Lord is something special. Don't do that. I would hurt. I would hurt if Tyler Lord ever gets traded away. But uh, Barry, what about you? Any rumors or uh, uh, going on All Star Weekend you want to speak on? As of ten seconds ago, I just read that Goran Dragic's favorite player growing up was uh, our very own Drazen Petrovic. Um, rest in peace to Drazen. So um, that's the news too I want to speak gone on. Too soon. <laughs> definitely gone too soon, and, and definitely was an amazing player. Every great of that era of that, you know, that played in that time has nothing but positive things to say about that guy on the basketball court. So definitely gone too soon. Um, shout out Drazen and Drazen's family. Shout out Goran Dragic, who, like I said, grew up a, a huge fan. That's his favorite player, it seems, of all time. Um, and it, it it's also the reason why he wears number three as much as he can. It's also another fun fact. Um, Let's see, more news, more rumors. <laughs> the New York mayor has been getting a lot of heat recently on stopping this mandate or ending it because most Northeastern cities um, that you know are along our, our line over here have ended the mandate, have you know repealed it or whatever the proper term would be. So we're hoping that Eric Adams, that's his name, our mayor, we're hoping that he makes a move soon before playoffs begin. Um, and this isn't just about Kyrie Irving. There's been a lot of heat, a lot of um, people that just don't, they're anti-mandate that are losing their jobs. A lot of um, public workers, health workers, sanitation that you know are just not with the mandate that are waiting for this to end so they can go back to work outside of just you know a Kyrie Irving. So. We're hoping that New York follows suit soon. New York State has registered its lowest. Um, I think it's it's at a, we're at our lowest amount of like COVID, COVID related transactions, like hospital entries. All of those stats are at an all time low since this pandemic began. So, um, I think everyone's ready to move on, and we all know what we have to do to stay safe, continue to stay safe. So, as far as like. I guess the local news, recent news, that's all I really have to talk about. But uh, 
then in that case, we do need to speak on a topic that we never got to discuss on the platform here uh, too much, but it is being revisited. And this is our last topic of the uh, of the episode. Last night, the new 25 to the top 75 NBA list were given jackets. That sparked more outrage as more than, in my opinion, what we saw you know, two months ago when the original list dropped. And a lot of people, players included, were still bothered, were even more bothered that Kyrie never made the top 75 list. There were a few tweets I saw that were questioning Dame Lillard. There was a few tweets that were still lamenting about Dwight Howard not being on that list. So, gentlemen, We've never really had a public forum to speak on it before. <laughs> what are what are thoughts do you have to say about this? Uh, about these top seventy-five ceremonies. I thought the ceremony itself was amazing for celebrating players, especially the uh, the guys that you know that showed up, the older guys. It was amazing to to give them their flowers once again. Um, Tomorrow isn't promised. And a lot of guys, a lot of guys have, you know, unfortunately passed away since since the last ceremony that took place. So I thought the ceremony was great. Um, I thought it fit in well with the festivities of All-Star Weekend. As far as the snubs go, originally Kyrie didn't really get too much um talks about like if he was a snub or not. And I think that may have been due to the fact that he wasn't playing around that time. People didn't really want to talk about him because they, they didn't have like a Kyrie to look at. Um, I'll start off with my the, the snub that I feel the strongest about, which is Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard has had an amazing basketball career. I'm not the biggest Dwight Howard fan. I'm not even I don't I don't even think he'd be among um, my favorite big men, but. It, what he's done on the basketball court's undeniable. Um, a friend of the pod, Jason Maples, stated, you know, for seven, eight, maybe even nine years, this is the, the best defensive player in the league. And, and a guy that was doing that while giving you anywhere from 16 to 20 a game. Um, I remember back in the day, people always criticized Dwight on his lack of a post game, lack of go-to moves, but those points were coming. And efficiently too, you know, at, the, at that point in time, the only knock that you had was, um, aside from the moves and stuff like that, was free throw shooting. I think Dwight should have been on the list, um, regardless of who they had to not put on and put Dwight on. But if I have to key in on that, then I'm sorry, but um, Anthony Davis shouldn't have been selected over Dwight Howard. If, if I'm looking at their resumes, um, it's one thing to look at, okay, Anthony Davis is more talented, has a higher ceiling. It's one thing to look at that. But Dwight Howard did what he did. It's on paper. It's been, it's, it's been done. It's finished. Um, that magic career is on wax. And he hasn't been what I'd call a bum for any team after his magic career, you know, outside of when he was injured, for any team after his magic career, except for maybe like now. And even in his situation with the Lakers now, there's like iffy rotations. There's one minute we need you as the main backup. One minute 
you know, early in the season, he's getting a DMP because they want to see what DJ can do. So it's a lot of just experimenting going on as far as Dwight now, but we can't look at him now and, 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 you know, base things off of just that. So I definitely think Dwight was more deserving of the nod for the next 25 players in over AD. And like I said, at the time, Kyrie wasn't getting that much traction as getting a nod over a Damian Lillard. When you look at things, Damian has more um, first team selections or I guess team selections in general. Um, he's probably been injured less. I'm pretty sure he's been more available as a player, more durable. And he's been a franchise player. So I think that just weighs in heavier. But Kyrie Irving's your favorite hooper, favorite hooper. Like people watch this guy, hoopers watch this guy. Um, it's certain things you're going to have to like, okay, I need some stats to back this. And it's certain times where you're going to have to just watch. You're just going to have to let your eyes do the talking. And um, Kyrie Irving, like, I, I, I guess I don't, I'm starting to more not understand how he's not on this list too, because it's not like the stats don't add up. It's not like he didn't just come off of a 50, 40, 90 season last season. Um, Kyrie Irving is like the craft of basketball is something he takes seriously. Um, I think it's odd to, to have someone that you can say they're top five at something and just lead them like he, I think Kyrie Irving is the, the, has the best handles, the best crossover package of anyone I've seen play this game. And for a guard, you know, you got to listen to what I'm saying here specifically, but for a guard, I haven't seen more efficient layups than, than what Kyrie Irving does. Um, his finishing at the rim, his basketball IQ, if, if there's 100, it's 100 out of 100. Um, he knows what to do. Like, even defensively, he's been touted as a defensive liability earlier in his career. I think, you know, he was just taking plays off or something because this kid tries on defense, and when he does, he looks like he really knows what he's supposed to do. He looks like he knows what side of players to be on, where to force them. He really pays attention to this craft. So my two snubs are going to be mainly Dwight Howard, and for my backup snub is going to be Kyrie Irving. And if I had to pick someone to take him over, it'd be um, they're taking AD and Dame off those lists and put in Dwight Howard and Kyrie on. Um, other than that, though, great celebration, great, great list. Um, it's hard to deny most of the people that were selected. You have like greats like CP and LeBron and Melo and and these guys like shouldn't be denied for the greatness that they put on for years and years on end. Um, and in some cases, like to this day. So like, you know, in CP's case and in LeBron's case to this day, like how they've translated their games into old age, teaching these young players. Um, always great to celebrate these guys. For some context, the the 75 anniversary team released the 75 greatest players, what they've been coined, um, is like Jabari mentioned, the uh, an extension or continuance of a tradition that was started 25 years ago when the NBA did its 50 greatest players. And I remember when that list was dropped, I remember watching the ceremony like All-Star Weekend and not really grasping what it was. I think I was eight years old at the time. Now I just put my age out there. Well, there we go. But this one has a little more meaning because it's that, that those 50 players plus an additional 20, it was supposed to be 25, but it ended up being 26 because there was a tie in the voting. So of those added, those 25 added, I had, you know, the, 
Yeah, there were a few snubs. I think when you look at resumes, there's some guys who were given a place on the team because of their ceiling or their potential. But I want to do a blind resume test for y'all real quick. Barry and Abe and tell me what's good. One player, player A, one-time champion, four-time All-NBA team selection, whether that's first or second team or third team, eight-time All-Star, three-time block champ, and four-time All-Defense. Player B, one-time champ, eight-time All-Star, six-time All-NBA team. I'm sorry, eight-time All-NBA team, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, five-time NBA All-Defensive team, five-time rebounding leader, two-time block champ. Who you taking? I was thinking about that first uh, resume because of the defensive awards, but that second one on the back end. Block, rebounding, defensive player of the year, all defense. You know, I love my defensive money, guys. I'm going resume B, baby. Clearly, right? Resume B, obviously, is Dwight Howard. And let's not forget the bulk of that, of what Dwight Howard did, really was in the first eight or nine seasons of his career. Mm -hmm. In eight or nine seasons to put together that package, the only thing outside of that packet of, of that resume that I listed that happened recently was him winning a title and that was with the Lakers. Everything else, this man was legit. Well, I remember when he when he got drafted straight out of high school, was talking about he was basically Shaq 2.0. The only thing is he could hit he could hit his free throws. Folks were like, man, you're cocky. But this dude within five seasons, not even five seasons, four seasons, took the Magic to an NBA Finals, beat a LeBron James Cavs team, denying us the opportunity to see a LeBron Kobe final. Dwight Howard was the most dominant force in the league in that in those in in that time between uh in those first eight or nine seasons. The most dominant. I may I wasn't a fan of him, but I was a fan of his game because I do believe defense was championships, points win mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. So that, that's for sure a snub. I think, and I think the controversy around Dwight and him bouncing around over the past four or five seasons, most of it because of injury, is the reason why you know by league execs and whatnot he wasn't voted in. But clearly they forgot about the man. I didn't believe I I believe Dame Lillard shouldn't be on that list. I'm a huge Dame fan, but once again, that's a guy I feel like he got thrown in there because of uh, because of I, number one, some recency bias, and number two, some uh, some thought of what he could be instead of what he has done. I do believe at some point he, I, I do believe like if it, 25 years from now, when the league does a, a 100 greatest players, that Dame should for sure be included in that list as a lock for that list, but not now. But I am interested to see 25 years down the line when you know we're we're gray. Like who's on that list? Yeah, who, who are going to be the guys in that? What current guys do we see now that are going to be in that list? I think Ja will be in that list for sure, with as long as he stays healthy. Um, Luca, uh, Luca is going to be in that list easy. I think Trey will be in that list. Tatum better on, be on that list. Tatum, uh, I think think Tatum will be a snub. Um, <laughs> I, I think Trey will be on that list depending on what he does with Atlanta. Like if he can take Atlanta to a deep playoff run and do it consistently, I think maybe he'll be on that list. But we we do have an interesting crop of players who are gonna. And the beautiful thing about hearing the guys, the twenty five who were added right from to the 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 and the fifty greatest player list, is the reverence and the respect that they gave. 
right? To hear guys, even to hear some of the guys who were like the young guys when they were added to the 50 greatest players list, to hear them give some reverence and respect to the, to, to the old heads who paved the way. That's a beautiful thing. I'll never forget a statement that Kobe Bryant made. Side note, of course, rest in peace to Kobe. It was very surreal watching that ceremony and Kobe not being there, like to be a part of it. Yeah. But Kobe once said this, he said, I feel a, a duty and an obligation to the game of basketball to give back to the game in that I make sure that the next generation behind me like gets all that they need to succeed in the same way that the guys before me did it for me. And that's what we saw. You see a guy like an Allen Iverson, like I mentioned, giving his giving flowers to Jason Tatum, Dwayne Wade doing the same thing. Dwayne Wade saying, uh, uh, it, saying, you know, John Morant's the most exciting player in the game. Like he's, he's part of the reason why, you know, folks want to watch the game today. So to see the guys, the 25 who were added and to hear them say, for example, you know, AI, Kobe, uh, Jordan, uh, that's these are the guys who inspired them, right? Tracy McGrady. These are the guys who inspired me to be a part of, uh, 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 to do what I do. And so it's going to be interesting to hear the guys who were added to the to the 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 hundred year uh, hundred greatest players who were saying things like, you know, uh, of course a LeBron, a John Morant inspired me, a, a a Luca inspired me to hear some kid from from uh, here in America say that a European player like Luca inspired him, right? And a Luca who was inspired by someone like a dirt, like to hear these things and to see it carry on and to see the torch continue to be passed. That's the beautiful part of the game, despite the competitiveness, despite all the other, you know, coupla and stuff that we hear with the game to see that camaraderie and that brotherhood, because think about it. It's a one in, I think, something billion chance for you to make it to the league. It's a very small fraternity of players who make it to the league and an even smaller fraternity of guys who end up being great ones in the league as evidenced by the ceremony and evidenced by this team selected. So that's the beautiful part of the game that I think people we often miss out on when we get caught up in arguments over who's the greatest, over who's the GOAT. Like, no, can we just for a moment appreciate greatness when we see it? Appreciate the fact that the Celtics can turn out great players. Um, RIP to Sam Jones, for example, who just yeah. died right after getting selected to the team, right? Mm -hmm. Why can't we appreciate greatness, folks? Let's 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 do better. Do better in as as Charles Barkley said, 20222, the year 2022. <laughs> to, that man was drunk off chicken tenders <laughs> to appreciate greatness when it's in front of us. Shaq, Shaq, um, Shaq went, he had a nice four or five minute. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a speech. Just honestly, he was just talking from his heart about all these people that helped him become the person he is today from from his uh, from the Sarge. I think that's his stepdad yep. to, to um, his mom, Kobe, from Chuck to Ewan to people that he wanted to be like David Robinson outplaying him, you know, at a point um, Hakeem's moves uh, when he got to L.A., he was about movies and jewelry he said jerry west told him you're gonna be up in those rafters one day um even when he was a grown-ass man um people needed to help him to become the person that we know today so you know it's and and just to appreciate greatness like osahan was saying we spoke on two snubs or i spoke on two snubs but pal gasol is a great player he was he, he's not on this list um vince carter has 25k points uh 4,500 assists, 800 blocks, 500 three-pointers on a short list of MJ and LeBron. That's the only three players that have done that. He's not on the list. Uh, 
Matumbo's on the list. Tony Parker, um, what's that, like a four, four-time, five-time champion? He's not on the list. Tony Parker has four All-NBA Most titles by a European player. Most titles by a European player, four All-NBA selections, and a finals MVP, you know, and, and he's not on the list. Uh, T-Mac, obviously, he had a lot of injuries, but he's one of the greatest players this game has seen, you know, when he was healthy in his prime. Uh, Penny Hardaway, Alex English, I could go on. There's a lot of people that have great arguments um, as far as being snubbed on this list goes. And you just got to appreciate greatness. Um, everyone doesn't, like, like Osa said, it's, it's a very small chance you make it to this fraternity. And to make it to this fraternity, have a, a, a great career and make this list, it's even less of a chance. So um, I'm just happy that I was able to witness um, a lot of these guys play. A lot of well, a lot of these new additions play. Yeah, I'm just you got to give these guys their flowers while they're here. There's gonna be a time when most of these guys are being spoken about in past tense. So um, they definitely shaped me growing up, being a fan of basketball, like looking up to 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 some of these players like a AI or a Vince Carter, uh, early Kobe, um, even T Mac when you know when he was in Orlando. Uh, and then that, that <laughs> I see Osa not, not approving of that one, but I, you know, like, oh, no, I just, approve. That was, I, I'm just having memories of that. Oh, you have, oh, okay. Orlando. I, I, like I translated that wrong. Yeah, no, you good. Like T-Mac in Orlando, like Kobe said, that's T-Mac is the only player who gave him problems. Cause T-Mac could do everything Kobe could do, except he was 6'10". Like what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, injuries are real. Injuries are real. They're devastating. Um, they take away great talents um, from 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 great players, and sometimes we only see glimpses. We we were just talking to to Travis on on the Portland stuff. We you know briefly talking about Brandon Roy. I, I would love for him to have a a, a career longer than a few years. Um, everyone's not going to be like Sean Livingston and be able to recover from from career ending injuries and come back and contribute to championship teams like Golden State. Like that's not going to happen for everyone. So um, it's just a reminder to be kind to people. It doesn't really matter how much money they have or the contract they sign. They're still humans. So just be kind. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to head up out of here. That's been another all new episode of the Full Court Prep. That's been an all new episode of the Full Court Press Podcast. Y'all know who it is. It's your boy, it's Prince, Abe, it's Brooklyn Bari, it's Osa. Be sure to follow us all on social media. Links in the description. And uh, we look forward to coming back at you this weekend with a, another on new episode. Take care. Peace. Oh.